an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In this episode, it is my pleasure to interview Kelly Foster. Kelly is a 26-year-old living and working in downtown Toronto. She has a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and works in nuclear consulting. Kelly struggled with her weight her entire life, going through every typical diet in the book before she finally found the ketogenic diet and lost 100 pounds, which is about 45 kilos. Uh, she's been maintaining that weight loss for close to two years now and has been e- and will be eating keto for the rest of her life. Kelly uses her Instagram account to promote her positivity, self-love, and the fact that you can accomplish just about anything you set your mind to. She also has a YouTube channel where she shares everything she has learned in her past three years of being keto. Um, in this interview, we talk about Kelly's experience with the ketogenic diet, what a typical day of eating might look like, and some of the barriers that people might discover along their own weight loss journey. And I just wanted to say, Kelly is such a fantastic person to talk to. Um, if anyone's followed Kelly on Instagram, she is such an inspiration. Uh, so you're going to really love this interview uh, this week. So make sure you stick around to the very end where she gives you some tips on how to accomplish your goals using the ketogenic diet. So please welcome Kelly to the Fat Weight Loss Show. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I have a uh, keto coffee sitting in front of me here because it's, it's, well, it's not early in the morning. It's seven o'clock. Let's, be, let's face it, that is nowhere near as early as, as what you would call early in the morning. What, what time do you generally get up and uh, maybe uh, you know, start your day? Well, first of all, you're in the future. That's cool. It's tomorrow there. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but but yeah, I would I would say early for me because uh, my, my standard wake up call is at 4.36 a.m. Very particular to keep on my strict schedule. Um, I, I A couple of weeks ago, I had to wake up extra early for work and I woke up at 4.15. And let me tell you that those, uh, you know, 21 minutes make all the difference. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I totally get that. I um I used to cycle a lot, and I used to get up at around the same time. Um, and when you get up at that same time of the morning, you get used to it. And so I always remember getting up at like four o'clock in the morning, going out for a ride, coming back. And my partner Adele, she'd still be in bed, and uh, and she'd look at me and be like. I, I've been in bed. What what on earth have you been doing? I was like, I've just been on a hundred kilometer bike ride and I feel amazing. <laughs> and uh, you, yeah. you're like totally out of whack with the rest of the world after that. Do you ever feel like getting up that early in the morning 
Um, or, you know, if, if for some reason you miss that, that early morning start, that six or seven or eight o'clock in the morning is just like an insane sleep in. Yeah, totally. On the weekends when I sleep until eight, I find it really crazy. And something that's funny about waking up so early is every morning before I go to the gym, I go to Spotify and it has these recommended playlists. And at 4.30, all it's recommending is like podcasts for sleep and really peaceful things. And I'm like, that's not going to help me get get amped for the gym. What is this? <laughs> you want you want solid dance like yeah. floor to the floor yeah style, exactly style playlist yeah okay yeah. so so outside of you know getting up really early in the morning um you also have a job um but your job is very very interesting and for people who don't know anything about you um can you sort of tell us what you do for for work and then um how homer simpson doesn't quite do it justice <laughs> yeah so um i my background is that i have a an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering uh and i work for a nuclear consulting company um so i think the you know a lot of people when i tell them i work in the nuclear industry they always make a homer simpson joke and uh, it's not quite just sitting there in the plant pushing a button and watching meltdowns happen that's only on the weekends um, <laughs> when everyone's but, not but, there. Yeah, but, but nuclear consulting, it's a pretty broad field. So the company I work for, we do, um, design engineering and safety analysis and a lot of different stuff. And our main clients are the, the nuclear plants, the operators. So, um, that's, that's the, the gist of what I do without getting into anything confidential, like the, uh, you know, the mutant Godzillas that we're building over there. Ooh, oh, I really <laughs> wish I could go into that, but may- maybe since we're talking about, po- uh, sorry, since, since we're talking about keto today, um, you know, some of those monsters may be a little bit off topic, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah, maybe we'll come back for the <clears throat> for the second interview, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about the monsters in the nuclear plant. Um, <laughs> and I'll lose my job. Yes, <laughs> and we don't want that. We still want to have this great story. Um, and, yeah. and so, so can you tell us a little bit about you? Um, you know, what were some of the motivations behind starting the ketogenic diet and, uh, and what were some of the results for you, um, you know, sticking to the ketogenic diet for a while? Yeah. So I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective just because I've used the keto diet. Um, I've been following it for over three years now and I lost weight. And then after I lost weight, I, I did bulking to gain muscle with keto. I know I've been maintaining my weight with keto. Um, but the way that it all got started, um, and I'll, I'll try to keep it somewhat concise because it can become a bit of a long story. But, um, you know, long story short, I was overweight my entire life. Uh, yo-yo dieted all throughout. I I think I went on my first diet when I was 12 years old. Um, I went on Weight Watchers um, and it, I just never found anything that was sustainable for me. And it was always ups and downs and having those ups and downs in your weight is just very, it, it gives a lot of highs and lows just in your life and in your well-being in general, your, you know, your mental well-being. Um, so when, when things really got started with keto was in 2015, um, I went on, this was while I was in university, uh, in my first year of university, I put on probably 40, something like 40 pounds in my first semester. It was just, uh, you know, after the years of yo-yo dieting, I just really, really let myself go and I just didn't care anymore. And, you know, I had all kinds of excuses because now I was in this new period of my life, starting a, a pretty demanding degree at school. And I just used all the excuses, put on a whole bunch of weight. Uh, and then in my in my third year, 
uh, it's pretty typical for people in, in engineering to go away on long internships during the school year. So I got a, I got a 12 month internship at a nuclear plant, actually. So, you know, this goes back to my job that I originally worked for the actual nuclear plant operators and now I'm in consulting. But anyway, that's, that's besides the point. So, um, I was going on this internship and I just sort of thought, okay, you know, I don't have any excuses now. I'm going to be working a, eight hour day job, have all the time on the weekends. Like this is really the time to just take control of my health. And I'm the kind of person that when I really focus in and set my sights on something, I'll do it. So I just had this, I I don't really know how to explain what changed inside of me, but I just felt so driven to do this. Um, And Mm -hmm. and like I said, throughout my life, I had, I had yo-yo dieted. So I decided that I wanted to sort of um, approach this from a fitness perspective rather than from a dieting perspective. And one thing I sort of glossed over that I've, I've talked about in, in other places and in other interviews is that part of my yo-yo dieting ended up leading to disordered eating. And I do suffer from binge eating disorder. Um, and that was another reason why I really wanted to focus on the fitness side of things rather than the dieting, because I just had a lot... Of struggles with that, and I just wanted to try something else. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I was going to my. Uh, so I went to start my internship, and I'm like, let's let's try something different. And and I have a lot of family in Denmark because my mom's Danish, and a bunch of my cousins had done CrossFit, and they were just mega jacked. And I was like, you know, let me just try that. You know, like it can't hurt, right? So um, there was a CrossFit gym just around the corner from my work. And the day that I started work, I started at that gym. And uh, for the first couple of months, so this was back in May of 2015, for the first few months, uh, I was just working out a few times a week. And it's, you know, much higher intensity than anything I had ever, ever done in my life. So I was making a, you know, like a an effort to eat better because my coach there was saying, you know, focus on whole foods and, you know, three meals and small snacks and whatever. And the weight started to come off just because I was quite overweight at that time. I was, I think I was around 240 pounds at that point. Um, so just through the exercise and just intentionally eating less, I started to lose weight. Um, and then three months later in, in August, my weight loss had started to stall and I was getting frustrated and it just was going back to that sort of struggle of, I don't really know how to diet. I don't know how to eat healthy and and eat properly to lose weight. And my coach said to me one day, have you ever heard of the keto diet? And I had heard of the keto diet because I spent a lot of time on Reddit reading through the weight loss forums. And one thing that I always saw was people talking about keto and it almost seemed like a cult. Like the people on Reddit with keto were so insistent that it was the thing to do. (laughs) And I remember my coach said it to me and I looked at him and I was like, you know, do you know what keto is? You can't eat fruit. You can't eat anything. I could never do that. And I was just so against it. But he's like, well, why don't you just try it? And I'm so stubborn that when he said, why don't you just try it? I was like, fine, you know what? I will try it for 30 days. I will give it a strict 30 days. I'll give it my all. And then if I don't like it, I'm going to stop. And it was very much like, I'll show you how terrible the keto diet is. (laughs) (laughs) And now here we are like over three years later, you know, I lost a hundred pounds and I'm just, there is no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be eating this way for the rest of my life. That's so awesome. Do you remember what your coach's name was? Yeah, his name is Brian Nugent, and he is 
probably one of the most, I, I just, there, there's no words for how much he has changed my life because if he hadn't have challenged me to do that, I would not be where I am today. He runs a CrossFit POW in Pickering. If there's any, you know, uh, GTA Toronto Canadian people listening. <laughs> and, uh, if you, if you want someone to kick your ass in the gym every day, he's your guy. That's so awesome. Um, and yeah, and I have a few questions as well. <clears throat> um, when you, uh, you know, the, the first instinct for people when they are trying to lose weight is that you, you want to go out there and exercise more. And, and, you know, generally this happens in the new year and you, and you, you're over the Christmas and the New Year's period and everyone goes to the gym on, on January 1st. Uh, and then it sort of dwindles away. But, but what was it for you that you were able to maintain, um, you know, the, the, the three months and then going forward, you were able to maintain exercise moving on from that because it is something that people either burn out with or they they get bored with it or they eventually just stop going what was it do you think what was it do you think for you that you know kept you uh motivated and kept you going back I think that I'm very lucky in the sort of fitness that I started with because that CrossFit gym, the people there really became like family to me. It wasn't the kind of thing where, you know, if you just join a gym on your own, there's no one there waiting to see you every day. You know, you're only accountable to yourself. But I had this amazing group of people that I worked out with there every day and my coach who, if I didn't show up, they were going to text me or they were going to call me and be like, Kel, where are you? Right? I, I couldn't hide from that. Um, so I think that was a really, really good way for me to sort of get into fitness. And eventually when I um, I went back to school to finish my degree and I, I studied in Montreal, which is really, really far from, from Toronto. Um, so when I went back, I just... Because I had such a special experience at that CrossFit gym, I knew that I didn't want to join another CrossFit gym because nothing would ever compare. Mm. Um, and I also just, I felt in a bit of a different space and I felt that I was ready to sort of take on fitness on my own. So uh, when I got back to school, I started weightlifting and just doing cardio on my own and I really just fell in love with it. And I think that, you know, having started out in a place where I had the accountability really set me up for that long-term success. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's really important, you know, that accountability. And I talk about this a lot is that, um, I always think about it in team sports where if you were to go and play basketball or soccer or whatever it is, you have a team that is held, holding you accountable. And if you don't turn up, you know, they can't play, uh, depending on how many people there totally. are. But, but I mean, um, I've also heard that about CrossFit as well and the community built around, the fitness um, almost, you know, makes you think that you're not there for your fitness. You're there for, you know, being a part of these people's lives. And, and, and that can, can really help you uh, and motivate you to go every single day. And it, and it feels a lot less like exercise and a lot more like fun. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, it was, it was very much a, so, a social thing. I mean, you know, quite often we would go out for dinner after and we would have events there at the gym, like potlucks and stuff like that. And I'm still in touch with many of the people that I worked out with there. And that was, you know, close to three years ago now. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. Um, and, yep. uh, and so what is the exercise that you do now? Um, do you, do you get someone to help you, you know, try and program something or are you quite intuitive with it now? Um, because I've been, you know, I, I've done quite a few different weightlifting programs and I'm very much a, a research kind of person. So when I started lifting on my own, I sort of looked into what are the best weightlifting programs for beginners. And then as I 
passed through the beginner phases. I started looking at different things. So, you know, in the three years, I've, I've done a lot of different things. Right now, I'm doing, um, it's called Strong Curves, which is a program by Brett Contreras. So I don't do my own programming. I just sort of look at different programs and see, you know, which one is most uh, aligned with my goals. And of course, it has to be something that I actually like doing and want to do. Um, and then I, I switch up how much cardio I do just based on sort of how I feel and, and what I'm motivated to do at that time or if I'm training for something. Like back in uh, May, I was training for a 10K race. Um, so I think it's important to switch things up every once in a while just to keep it exciting. Yeah, totally. How did the 10K race go? Well, I developed tendinitis in my knee in my training, which was unfortunate. Ooh. I know. So the day of the race, it was pretty brutal. Um, but what was really awesome about that was I did it with a team from my work, actually. And uh, it was raising money for the Princess Margaret Cancer Hospital here in Toronto. And we ended up raising, I think, oh, no, I, I can't actually remember now. It was, I think we raised $3,500. Uh, for cancer research. So that was really, really great. And and a big part of that actually came from my Instagram followers who supported me in the race, which was awesome. Um, and aside from that, I had set a goal to run the race in sub one hour. And on race day, I think I finished in about 52 minutes. So I smashed my goal, which was cool too. Wow, that's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, even uh, sometimes the race is only part of part of the the bigger picture you know the training is sometimes much harder than actually doing the race um so firstly congratulations for completing it and and for raising so much money that's that's so awesome um and even Thank if you. you even if you didn't run it would have been a success so that's fantastic exactly um and so you know throughout throughout this journey that you've um sort of been on for the past 3 years what were some of the biggest successes for you um, with regards to the ketogenic diet, um, and and how did everyday life change for you when when you realised that there was some big changes happening? And and you know a lot of people get stuck and bogged down on on uh, weight loss plateaus and you know th th those types of uh, flat areas where you don't see much change. But um, what was it for you that kept driving you forward and 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 making sure that you know, the ketogenic diet was going to help you move towards that goal. Yeah. And I think something that's, that's really interesting and unique is that when I first started keto, I actually wasn't on Instagram. I started my Instagram in June of 2016, whereas I had started keto in August of 2015. Um, so I think that a, a problem a lot of people face is that they come onto Instagram and they're just bombarded with so much information and so many people who do keto different ways. Whereas when I started, I was just kind of doing what I felt was right, making adjustments along the way to make sure that I felt good, that I was losing weight. Um, just to give one particular example, when I first started keto, I didn't track any macros at all. I was just eating foods that I knew to be inherently low carb until I was satisfied. And I know that a lot of people like to call that lazy keto. And I hate that term. I don't think that anybody who is doing any or who's putting in any sort of effort to lose weight should be called lazy. So I actually like to call that intuitive keto. Hmm. Hashtag intuitive keto. Let's make that a thing. Yeah, I like that um, much, much better. <laughs> yeah, because lazy has a negative connotation, right? Mm. And I, I just don't like to put that with something where, where someone's making an effort to do better for themselves. Um, so, you know, and then uh, along the way, when I 
again, eventually reached a point where I wasn't losing weight, I started incorporating macro tracking. Um, And that's something that I'm still doing today. And it's something that works well for me. So something that I always say to people is that it's really important to find your keto. And, you know, what that means is making small adjustments to find the best way that you feel executing keto um, that's going to make it sustainable for you in the long term because everyone does it a little bit differently, right? And it's easy to get so overwhelmed when you see all of these people online doing different things to not think, oh, should I be doing that? Um, And, you know, of course you can get ideas from other people, but I think that something that's just so important for people to recognize is that you need to experiment essentially to figure out what is the best style of keto for you. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot agree more. Um, and I really find that, that, you know, that idea often stops people from starting in the first place. Um, you know, they're mm-hmm. so scared of eating too much protein because of gluconeogenesis. And that's actually not a thing really with keto. Um, I'm so glad that you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I've been eating, I've been eating over 150 grams of protein a day for probably a year and a half, two years. And so when people tell me that they're scared of eating too much protein, I'm like, if you can eat so much protein that it kicks you out of ketosis, I will high five you because that will be genuinely impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, um, um, I can't remember a keto connect were talking to someone. I think it might have been, um, Dr. Bittman. Um, I, I don't quote me on that one but they were talking about how when you are in a low carbohydrate state um gluconeogenesis doesn't actually work the same way because your glucagon is in a different form or it's you have less glucagon or i can't remember the specifics of it but there's basically Mm -hmm. this thing where you know they measured a whole bunch of people eating too much protein on a really high carbohydrate diet and yes the 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 protein was then converted into more carbohydrates but but it, it's different on a ketogenic diet, and I think it's also different for everyone. And so if you feel good mm-hmm. eating what you're eating and then you go put it in a macro calculator and you're like, oh, my God, I'm eating too much protein, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Yeah. Um, but then – I always say chase results, not ketones. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that just – you can sort of apply it to anything. Like if you feel good the way you're eating and you are, you know – progressing towards whatever your goal is, be it weight loss, fitness, whatever, you, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and another thing that people were scared about is that they were too scared to eat um, vegetables because there was, there was too many carbs. Oh, vegetables it. are terrifying. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and so is that something you experienced as well? No, um, I actually eat a lot of vegetables and this just goes back to making adjustments along the way. Um, I actually eat close to 35 grams of net carbs most days just because I like to eat a lot of vegetables. Mm. Um, it was a slow adjustment that I made. You know, I started out with the typical 20 and I just slowly, slowly worked up checking how I felt, checking in with my weight to make sure it was moving the direction that I wanted. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love Broccoli. I I couldn't imagine a life where I'm not eating giant servings of veggies with all of my meals. So, um, you know, I I really encourage people not to get so bogged down in the numbers and especially not this thing of foods being keto and not keto. Because realistically, like obviously you're not going to eat a slice of bread or something like that. But I see a lot of people that will eat, you know, small amounts of sweet potatoes and things like that because they can fit it into their their macros and it works for them. So, um, 
it's just, I think there's a problem with there just being so much information out there that it can be overwhelming for people. So I just hope that if I can tell everyone listening something, it's just don't be afraid and don't expect it to be perfect from day one because it won't be. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, um, going further down the track, um, if if you've found something that's working for you and then that sort of maybe stops working, then you can sort of alter from there. But but even um, being too too scared to start is 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 what I find uh, a lot of people are, are experiencing, or they're they're too scared to you know push past that thirty days. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to ask you about, so you've had so much success um, along your journey, but were there any failures along the way that um, you were able to either turn into successes or that you learned a lot from? Well, I guess you don't know that I'm actually perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, now, no, for sure. Um, you know, there, if anyone has had a weight loss journey with absolutely no setbacks or failures, I want to meet them because that's amazing. And, and they are a truly impressive person. Um, but I, I think, again, this just goes back to that making adjustments along the way. So, for example, as I mentioned, um, I eventually stopped losing weight and needed to start tracking macros. And I remember being a little bit frustrated because I was, I was a little bit intimidated by tracking macros because it was something that I had done before in my life with, before keto, just general calorie counting. And it wasn't something that worked for me in the past. So I was a little bit nervous about trying it with keto and it turned out to be perfect for me. Um, something else, some other setbacks I've had at recently, actually, um, I've had a lot of struggles with my binge eating disorder, um, sort of rearing its head again after years of thinking that keto had cured me of my eating disorder. That's what I had thought initially because when I started keto, I didn't binge eat for nearly two years. Um, so, so there has been, you know, struggles that have come up and every single time I've just made adjustments to sort of get past them. And I really truly believe that if, if a person is willing to keep fighting and to put in the effort, you can really accomplish nearly anything that you want to in life and overcome most obstacles. Mm, yeah. And, um, and if anyone is, you know, sort of feels like they may have been struggling with that as well. Um, I remember a book that, that Meg Bacon and Meg's from a few episodes ago recommended. Love her. Yeah. Brain over binge. Brain she recommended binge. that yeah. book to me and saved my life. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The, what were like, you know, for me, there was a, a huge thing in that book where they were talking about how you have, you know, you've got two, two brain types basically. And you've got one that if you build a habit of, of eating something, um, you know, that, that part of your, almost like the monkey brain, will tell you that that is more important than than water and air and you need that and i guess that that mentality came across from um the alcoholics that were that this book that she was reading was sort of was meant for like the author not not meg <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, yeah it's like it, th- that in itself is is a is is crazy for because i think even myself i i believed i i've suffered from binge eating um and and it's not something that that everyone really understands at first but when you look back and you go yeah i i don't i don't i like i don't have too much experience with that but but how did that book um you know really help you in in any certain way 
Yeah, well, first of all, huge shout out to Meg because she has been sort of uh, just a, a huge guiding light and role model for me in my entire binge eating disorder journey. She's been there for me in in my highs and my lows. And it's, it's funny because a lot of people mentioned that book to me in, in times that I was struggling. And it wasn't until Meg told me that she read that book and it changed her life that I was like, well... I guess I better buy that book immediately because she's just so in- incredible and so inspiring that I just truly believed that if it worked for her, it would work for me too. Um, and, and what, you know, what you're saying about the parts of the brain is that uh, there's the animal brain, they call it, that sort of calls to you and tells you to binge eat and tells you these things. And then you have your rational brain uh, or your upper brain. They have a lot of different names for them. That is logical and knows that you don't truly want to do this. And I think what really spoke to me from the book is it said the animal brain can be there and it can be tempting you to binge and it can be telling you to binge. And it's, it's that little voice in the back of your head that is giving you all the excuses for why you should do it. So for me, it could be, oh, you had a really stressful week at work or you're really sad about this and the animal brain will, will tempt me. But The rational brain is the only part of your brain that can actually allow you to physically go and pick up food and put it into your mouth. It controls your motor functions and, and, you know, your motor skills. So the animal brain can't really make you do anything. And I'm a very, um, controlled and structured kind of person. So when the book told me, Hey, Kelly, you know, you're actually kind of choosing to binge eat every time. Yes, the animal brain is tempting you, but you have the final say and you have the control to not do it. That was so powerful for me. And that really just completely changed my perspective, which is funny because it's something so simple. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that, and that, and that in itself can be so life changing. Um, and I think even, uh, you know, even with the ketogenic diet, um, I have this, I have this thing and I don't know whether anyone else has experienced this before, but I find it quite easy to overeat, um, with ketogenic foods. And I don't know whether that's just because, um, you know, the food is quite calorie dense, but, um, you know, what's the difference between, uh, for you when you're tracking macros as opposed to tracking calories? Yeah. So I think, uh, back in the day when I was just tracking calories, I was following, uh, very, I, I wasn't following any particular diet. So it was just, I had heard that carbs were bad for you. So I was eating low carb. I'm doing air quotes around low, low carb. Um, and I was eating 1200 calories a day, but I was still eating fruits. Um, I was eating very low fat and I would eat like, you know, like the, I'm doing air quotes again, healthy bread, um, mm. just like the whole grain and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just, I was eating very low. So it was low carb. It was low fat. It was low calorie. And I felt terrible. And, and, you know, that's actually what led to my eating disorder. Um, and something that's explained in that brain over binge book. And I'll keep going back to it because it's really just, it's had such a profound impact on me. Um, Many people, not everyone, but many people who develop an eating disorder, it's because of extremely restrictive dieting. And that's what happened to me. And that's the trap that I fell into. So I think that when I incorporated keto and then I was tracking all of my macros and I was eating higher fat, I think that that's what really made the difference for me in in that it doesn't have that same negative impact. And, you know, I did mention that I have still had issues with binge eating with keto, but that's coming from a completely separate place. And I think that that's coming from the part of an eating disorder that is uh, purely habitual. 
Um, Because the book just says, uh, you know, many people will develop the eating disorder. And then even when they stop restrictive dieting, it stays with them because you've built these these pathways in your brain that just crave that, um, you know, putting a, a huge amount of food into your body at one time. And until you break those habits, it doesn't matter, you know, how how fatty the food is that you're eating or how satisfying you really just have to break the habit. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and you know, a lot of people that I talk to, uh, they do, you know, the intuitive keto, uh, what you were talking about before. Um, and I think, I think intuitive keto is, is ultimately where, um, everyone kind of wants to be. And so, you know, how is, uh, um, you know, for the people who first start keto, what was your intuitive keto and what did it look like for you? Yeah. So, well, before I, I answer that, I want to say that um, I do think that in an ideal world, everyone would be able to eat intuitive keto. And I am very envious of people that can do that. But I also think it's okay to have to track macros for the rest of your life. Um, hmm. So, because it's something I'll be doing. And, and you know, for some people, it's because... Um, you know, when they're done losing weight, maybe their goal is to build muscle and then they still have very specific calorie and macro goals that they need to be working towards. Um, or for me, it actually causes me a lot of stress not to track macros because I'm always concerned with whether I'm doing the right thing or it's easy for me to overeat because I'm not tracking and it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know, it's it's probably not bad to just eat a little bit more. Um, but irrespective of that, um, my intuitive keto, uh, was just, um, I I learned along the way. So I remember when I first started, you know, I was putting butter in my coffee and doing all of these things that were, uh, what I had seen on Reddit that was sort of normal keto things to do. Um, I was eating the vegetables that I had read to be the lowest in carbs. And I was just really trying to make a significant effort to stop eating when I was full. Um, however, that's, that's, it's really just not something that works well for me. I've never been very intuitive. And I, and I think that, you know, I think that most people are, nearly everyone is born with a healthy relationship with food. And I think that once you break that, and that's something that happened to me at a very young age with the, you know, being on a a diet so young, I think that once you break that healthy relationship with food, it's extremely difficult to get it back. Um, And that's not to say that it's impossible. And maybe one day I'll surprise myself and I will get there. And I do try to practice eating intuitively every once in a while just for my own just to challenge myself and, and just for my own, um, just, just a goal that I have is maybe one day I can do it, but I'm also okay with the fact that maybe I won't be able to. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, again, it goes back to intuitive keto will be a little bit different for everyone, but it should just be eating foods that are low carb until you feel satisfied and, and like you don't need to eat anymore. Mm, interesting. And then, and then, so in contrast to the intuitive keto, what, what does a, a daily, um, you know, cause you're in maintenance mode now, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, cool. So, so if you're, if you're doing that, what is, what is the typical day of, of eating and, and, you know, what, what, what do you do for breakfast? And then what do you do for lunch while you're at work? Or do you take lunch? And then, and then what's a typical dinner for you? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, something else that's interesting maybe between weight loss and maintenance is that when I was losing weight, uh, I eventually incorporated intermittent fasting for, for a very long time. I followed, uh, the 16, eight split. So I didn't really eat breakfast. Uh, and then when I finished with my weight loss and I moved into maintenance and bulking, um, it was just too hard to, to eat enough in a day when I had such a small eating window. And let me tell you that that's something that, you know, Kelly a hundred pounds ago never would have thought that it, it would be too hard to eat enough in a day. Like that would just be ridiculous to me before. Um, but now, um, so I stopped fasting and I am a very, I think I've said this a couple of times. So I'm pretty habitual. I'm pretty structured. So Every single day, uh, my breakfast is uh, coffee and I have ghee in my coffee and some sweetener. Um, and with the coffee, I have a low-carb protein bar. And that's what I have for breakfast every day. And it's just because I love it. That's it, It's just, uh, it brings a lot of joy to my mornings because that's what <laughs> coffee does, right? Uh, totally. Yeah, I've got a coffee sitting in front of me right now. And yeah. I, I think, you know, coffee in itself is so addictive. I've, I've been trying to, uh, I've gone through stages before trying to train for big races or something where you're trying to, you know, cut out the caffeine so that when you use caffeine on race day or, or even after it's, it's kind of more effective. But, um, yeah, I I've mean, never been, I've never been that committed to my training that I would cut oh, out caffeine. Yeah, um, it's, it's, yep. it's brutal. Like, but it's only, it's only really bad for the per, the first three days. Right. And, uh, even then it's not even really that bad, but coffee is a habit. Right. And so, um, that's the hardest thing to break. I, I was a developer for a long time. And so whilst the code was building, you'd be, you'd be sitting there tapping your fingers going, what would I have done if I was drinking or if I wasn't drinking coffee right now? I, I, you know, like the, it just so many times. Contemplating your coffee. existence. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, well, wow. Okay. I need to cut this out. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's like a little bit of a stoic mindset, but, but we'll leave that one right there. But, but, and, and, okay. So, um, so breakfast is the same and, and I tend to do the same thing. Breakfast is very the same. It, even, uh, like for me, it's generally like four weeks of the same. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, you know, what do you take to work? Um, and is that maybe sometimes leftovers from the night before or, um, how does that sort of work for you? So I am a meal prepper, um, and I share my meal prep most weeks. Uh, I do my meal prep on Sunday and I prep my lunches for the whole week. And, uh, I actually just did it today. So let me tell you what I made today. Um, and, and I'm, I am very similar in my meal preps every week, but so for, for my lunches for work, I always, I say always, almost always cook some sort of huge chunk of meat. And it's usually something lean like pork tenderloin. Uh, today I did a sirloin tip roast. Uh, I'll do, um, you know, pork loin, just, just simple, big, lean cuts of meat. Um, cause it's easy, you know, you, you bake a giant chunk of meat and it makes like five meals. So then I'll, I'll mm, cut, I'll right. cut that up and I'll usually eat it with some sort of sauce. Um, whether it's like a, I really love pork tenderloin with like a, like a French onion dip, which makes me sound, I, I am just a simple woman. Let me say that. Um, or uh, sugar-free barbecue sauce or something like that. So I'll always have the meat, the sauce, and then my side, which is like, this is the, you know, Kelly Keto special, is uh, green beans with margarine. And I know you're, you might freak out. A lot of people freak out about margarine, but I just like it. And uh, Parmesan cheese. And so it's it's meat, it's sauce, and it's vegetables, almost always green beans with uh, with the cheese and the margarine. Oh man, the the French onion dip with that—that that sounds so good. I'm such a sucker for French onion dip. That stuff is so good. 
I put it on literally everything. I'm so glad you said that. I'm not alone. <laughs> I, I, I remember doing this YouTube video where I uh, made this meal plan and uh, people were so not interested in the entire meal plan, but they just watched the the bit where I made the French onion dip. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can see like, you know, there's graphs on, on YouTube that you can sort of see where people watch. And it was like 130% because people would go back and watch it again and go back and watch it again. Really? And I, yeah. I don't even make mine. I'm so lazy. I buy it from the store. It's pre-made. Oh, no, but I think like even so, like I, I just think we're not the only people out there who love French onion dip. I think there's a lot of this. Maybe we can start a, uh, a hashtag French onion dip for keto or something. You, you have just you have just validated like 95% of my meals. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, okay. Yeah. So, so that meal prep is, is lunch and dinner. Is that right? Uh, no. So that's my lunches and, and I'll eat the same thing every day for lunch. And people always say, don't you get sick of that? But I make food that I like eating. It's delicious. So I don't get sick of it. Um, and then I'll sometimes prep my dinners, but it's not as, um, my dinners, I'm a little bit more flexible. So dinner is similar in the sense that it's usually still some sort of lean protein with some sort of sauce, veggies on the side always. I'll usually do like a salad more of a salad type thing in the evenings. And my salads are usually spinach, uh, tomatoes. Like I said, I eat a little bit higher carb, like 35 nets. So it's easy for me to work tomatoes and some, you know, some extra veggies in. Uh, so I'll have the salad, I'll have the meat and the sauce. Um, and then, uh, Typically, I still have macros left after, uh, so then I'll I'll finish it off with what I call a macro capper, uh, just to get me to my you know my calories and my fat and protein and all of that for the day. Um, and that's usually like some some keto snacks like uh, low carb chocolate or pork rinds or or something like that. So um, that's where I sort of get my fun in for the day is after I finish my dinner. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I am. Um... I, I did meal prepping for a little while and uh, I, I couldn't stand it. But, you know, everyone has their different ways and, and, and I totally understand that it's so much easier to calculate everything if it's all just the same meal. Um, and exactly. So, like, how do, you, how do you calculate that? Do you use MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or something like that? I'm actually secretly an old grandma and I do everything by hand. Oh. So I have a, yeah, so I have a little a little folder where I, I have these sheets of paper that I just write it all down on. Um, and so, you know, a lot of food just has the nutrition right on the label. So I'll use that. And then for anything that doesn't like fresh vegetables or certain cuts of meat that you get from the grocery store, uh, I actually use the USDA nutrient database because it's a very reliable source of information. So I go in there and I, I pull out the info and then I just calculate based on how many grams of what I'm eating, what all of the macros are for it. And that's, that's how I do it. And be, I think because it's such a process for me, it, it, you know, it really helps that I only have to calculate my one lunch for the whole entire week. <laughs> well, I guess you, you did study engineering. So yeah. that's sort of right up your alley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, adding <laughs> and multiplying. That's, that's what I like to do. But, um, but also, you know, and, and because I'm such a habitual person, I eat a lot of the same stuff, even, you know, like my macro cappers and my dinners and my vegetables, like, because I've been doing it for so long, I already know what the nutrition is on 85 to 90 percent of the food that I eat so it's it, it really just becomes quite easy after you've been doing it for a while yeah and that that's so awesome to hear too because um I hear a lot of people uh you know because I I've got a food blog and 
they they put my recipe into my fitness pal and it gets all the calculations completely wrong and it's because anyone can add food into my fitness pal and then the whole database sort of becomes like very unreliable exactly uh, and so it's it's good to you know that you, you use the USDA um, database for finding foods like that and uh, and I think chronometer actually uses the USDA um, database for that as well really um, but sometimes yeah it can be off as well but um, yeah it's it's really really interesting um, and and so do you count um, sugar alcohols as as uh, part of your carb limit as well or is that out of the question. So the only sugar alcohol that I eat is erythritol because all of the other ones that are sort of um, controversial, like maltitol and sorbitol, they, you know, you probably heard people talk about how it upsets their stomach. And I am one of those people that just absolutely cannot tolerate them at all. So I stay away from them. Um, and I don't know if you saw Keto Connect, shout out to Keto Connect as well, because they do so much um, empirical research for the keto community. So I don't know if you saw their video where they tested all of the sugar alcohols and and different sweeteners, and then they actually figured out what sort of impact it had on the blood sugar. Um, So, you know, yeah, that was amazing. And, and, you know, they showed that melthitol was nearly the same impact as regular sugar, which is just insane. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, my opinion is that I don't think that people should subtract melthitol, at least not all of it. Um, But again, it's one of those things where people need to sort of try it out. But so the one that I do eat erythritol, I do subtract that from the carbs. Mm, Yeah, and so do I. And and I think um, erythritol and uh, and potentially stevia for most people as well can be subtracted. But but things like xylitol and maltitol um, can be a little bit tricky. But I mean, you know, if it if it works for you, then it works for you as well. So um, I I I always remember walking into uh, the you know the local grocery store here in Australia in into Coles and and uh, this brand has has brought out like a, a Nutella thing and it's like ninety seven percent less sugar and they've just jacked it full of maltitol and you go well if people don't know oh, no. then they would just yeah they would just be like eating spoonfuls of this stuff because. That they just don't know. And, and I think it's really, really bad when companies can do that and say, Oh, it's 97% less sugar, but they've just put it, you know, they've just acted with another type of sugar. So uh, it's, oh, it's so, yeah. Yeah. And, and shout out to Keto Connect for doing that as well. It's really awesome. Yeah. And, and just to, to give a, not a shout out at all to Maltitol. I remember when I didn't know, <laughs> when I didn't know that Maltitol was bad for you and I went to the store, this is in the beginning of my keto journey. And I saw these Russell Stover chocolates that were sugar free. And I was like, whoa. Look at that. My life has changed forever. I can have chocolate again. And I think I went home and ate like five of them. And let me tell you that that's the kind of mistake you only make one time and never again. <laughs> have you ever read the reviews on the sugar-free gummy yep. bears on Amazon? Yep. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was not before I ate the sugar-free chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but if anyone is listening and they can uh, you know, pause this podcast, go and, watch, uh, go and read some of the comments on the sugar-free gummy bears, they will make you cry with laughter. They are so fun. I think people have just gone on there and just made up the best stories they can after, you know, some people experienced what they were talking yeah. about. But yeah, yeah, it's just so funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and so, okay, so um, I like to put a few quick questions on to the end of, of these podcasts. Yes, lightning round. Um, so, lightning round. Yeah. All right. So, so first up, first off the rank, uh, what is your favorite keto food? Chicken wings, 100%. Chicken wings. Oh, okay. 
Um, do you like them cooked in a particular way? Um, anyway, just as long as it's a chicken wing and it gets into my mouth, that's all I need. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, like I think I, I like to get the, I'm so lazy. I like to get the ones that come in the box frozen at the store that are already all seasoned and awesome. And then I just bake them in the oven and I like to finish them under the broiler. Um, or aside from that, you know, when you go to a restaurant and they fry them for you, that's probably the best. Damn. Yeah. That sounds really good. Um, and so yeah. in, in contrast to that, what is your least favorite keto food? Oh, I just really love eating everything. So that's a <laughs> tough one. Um, there's a, even in general, there's not a lot of foods that I don't like. I'm trying to think of something maybe I'm sure there's some type of cheese out there that's really stinky or something that I don't like, but I, I do like most cheese in general. So worst answer ever, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> that That's good, actually, because, uh, you know, so, uh, like um, some people might say avocado or some people might say salmon or there's, you know, there's like d d distinct keto foods that some people just will not touch. Um, and yeah, and that's funny because I'll, you know, I'll get messages from people every once in a while on Instagram where they're like, I don't like cheese. How am I supposed to do keto? I'm like, there's thousands of other keto foods out <laughs> yeah. there. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> what is your, what is your favorite exercise? Um, for, let's, let's split this up for cardio. It's doing sprint intervals mm. and for weightlifting, it is strict military press. Strict military press. Okay. All right. Let's get, jump into those two um, because I find them quite interesting. So sprinting, uh, what's the distance and, um, and what's the recovery interval? Yeah. So I actually just made a, a nice little highlight of this on my Instagram page. So if anyone wants some, some real detail, it's there. But um, I do a 30 second sprint followed by about a minute of cool down. Um, and right now I'm, I've worked up to sprinting at uh 10.7 miles per hour, which is something like 17 or 18 kilometers per hour. And then I'm walking in the, in the one minute cool down. Wow. Okay. So 17 Ks an hour. That is fast. That is extremely fast. Um, that I, I remember calculating this and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to, um, uh, disvalidate this, but I remember <laughs> just putting this into perspective, the, the marathon runners who, who run, you know, close to two hours in, in a marathon, they're running over 20 kilometers per hour, which Stop is. Stop it. Yeah. For, Are for you two serious? Hour, yeah. For two hours. Yeah. What <laughs> am I doing with my life? <laughs> and I, just, I like, I probably shouldn't have said this, but, but. I feel so fast when I'm running at 17 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. And, and, and for me as well, like. I, I uh, was doing sprint intervals in, in the lead up to the marathon and you do, you feel so incredibly fast. And I look down at my watch and it's like 15 kilometers an hour. And I'm like, man, like I yep. honestly thought I was Usain Bolt for the longest time. And now I know that I'm <laughs> nothing. <laughs> oh man, Usain Bolt's on another level. Um, yeah. and then, and then, okay. So, and then the strict military press, um, I don't actually quite understand what strict and military mean with the, with the press. Can you sort of explain that to people um, like me who, who don't understand that one? So I, I think the, well, I'm probably the worst person in the world to explain this and don't take this at face value because I could be 100% wrong, but what I think it means, so, so it, I think it's just another name for overhead press. And I think the strict part is that you're not getting any momentum from your legs. So, you know, you're, 
your legs are not because you, you know you'll see people do a little bit of a dip to get some momentum to help push the bar over their head um so i think when you're strict you're not doing any of that there's no momentum from your legs and then i think military press is just another name for overhead press someone who is a legitimate weightlifter is listening to this right now and like screaming at the podcast <laughs> but, but i mean yeah there's just something so incredible and empowering and confidence building about picking up some heavy ass weight and pushing it over your head. It's great. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it, um, you know, that having a good mix of cardio and, and weightlifting is very, very important because, uh, you know, when I, when I was training for the marathon, I was only running and that can lead to it's a whole nother set of issues. So it's really good. You're doing those two types and that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and in contrast to all of this, what is your least favorite exercise? Uh, I really, really, and you might be sad about this. I hate cycling or spinning or anything on a bike. I just, I'm so sorry. I just hate it so much. Oh no, no. There are so many people who hate it, including my partner Adele. Like, okay. So, so she doesn't hate all of it, but anything going uphill is just the worst. (laughs) It's just the total worst. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, cycling has its, has its own things and, and, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I, I would agree with that because if I didn't become a cyclist myself, I would probably hate cycling as well. Um, but uh, are you currently taking any supplements outside of prescription medication? You know, is it are, there, are you taking anything to do with electrolytes or um, maybe some magnesium or I don't know? Yes. And that is always my top tip for anyone starting keto. At least one of my top three tips is make sure that you're supplementing electrolytes. It's so important and even more so for people who are extremely active. Um, I take close to, I don't measure it exactly because I go a lot on how I feel with my electrolytes, but something like five grams of sodium every day between like four and five grams of potassium. And I take 500 milligrams of magnesium every day. And I can, if I miss it, I I never miss it because if I do, I just feel so awful. Uh, You know, lightheaded muscle cramps, all of that. I can tell if I'm, if I'm a little bit low in my sodium, just completely because I'll, I'll stand up and I'll get a head rush. Um, So electrolytes are super, super critical and everyone needs a little bit different dosage and it's genetics and how quickly your body processes water and how active you are because you know when you're sweating you're losing a lot of those electrolytes but um please anyone who's who's listening consider electrolytes Mm, and um and uh four to five grams of potassium what is what does that sort of look like on a day-to-day basis So I, and everything that I'm saying, these are completely separate from the actual food that I'm eating. So the way that I get my, my salts, my potassium and sodium is just through, um, you can buy salt that's actually made for people who are, who can't tolerate sodium and it's just pure potassium. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll buy one that's half sodium, half potassium. I put that in some water with, um, I don't know if you guys have Mio and like those sugar-free water enhancers. So, so I'll just put some of that in to mask the salty flavor and I just drink that. Oh, that sounds pretty delicious. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think it might be called, uh, new salt. Is that is that the salt that you're talking about? That's the American one. Um, and American yeah, one, okay. in Canada, it's we have one called no salt, and we also have one called half salt, which is just the half and half that uh-huh. I mentioned. Yeah, 
Ah, uh, okay. In Australia, it's called new salt, like N-U yeah. um, salt. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. But um, that that one, and you can find it in Coles and Woolworths. It's in the salt aisle. It's just down the very bottom. And it was made for people, exactly what you said, to, you know, who can't have too much sodium. And so out of that, they sort of created this really cheap, really effective way to get potassium. Exactly, awesome. exactly. So, you know, uh, you can get like special electrolyte drinks and stuff like that, but it's really so much more um, effective and, and cost efficient to just buy these salts. Mm, yeah, I remember going into like a, a, a sports store and going in and looking at their electrolyte tablets and they've got like 100 milligrams of sodium, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And and you go, that's, and, and the entire bottle is filled with 12 tablets and it's $12. Yeah, Australian. I'm like, oh, go, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'll get me, just that'll go get me the through the next two hours. Like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so do you have any uh, videos, books or... Um, or yeah, videos or books that have recently inspired you? Definitely have to go back to Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen. Um, that has just, like I said, it's had such a profound impact on my life uh, in the last few months. It's really changed a lot for me. And and if anyone out there struggles with, with binge eating or, or just um, bad habitual behavior in general, I really think it has a lot to offer to a lot of people. And I, and I can't recommend it enough. Mm. And um, and it's also available on uh, audiobook as well because um, I I just I'm not a big fan of reading books. Some people really love reading books, but I love listening to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's also available on aud- Audible as well for for those people. Awesome. Um, and uh, okay, so I was a musician for a very very long time, um, and uh, so I love hearing people's music tastes or you know what they've been listening to recently. So so for you, I know that um, you know at four o'clock in the morning, it's it's recommending podcasts to make you go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get rid of that, what are what are some uh, you know what are some of the styles of music that you listen to, and then what are some musics that you go back to? all the time that are like your classic favorites? Yeah. So lately I've been listening to a lot of rap um, and some people who are, who are really, really into rap are probably going to hate me when I say that that's like Cardi B and Drake. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I listen to a lot of, of rap, uh, a lot of house music. Um, Spotify just, just does good things for me that it just sort of already knows what I like and it has these recommended playlists and I just go in and listen to those. Um, but something that I sort of go back to every once in a while and it's, it's very nostalgic to my high school days is it has podcasts or not podcasts, playlists, sorry, that are like fallout boy and my chemical romance and all that, um, pop punk stuff that was popular in like, you know, 2007. Uh, so that's always fun every <laughs> once in a while to go back to that. But for the most part, for my workouts, I'm listening to house music or rap. Yeah, yeah. Also, I was I was watching a YouTube video on Cardi B um, the other day and she was being interviewed by, oh, I can't remember who it was, but she's hilarious. She is she so is, weird and I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, oh, and uh, amazing. And, um, and the new... Uh, I think it's, I don't know if you've heard the new NERD with Rihanna. Have you heard that song? Lemon? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 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 That's a good song. Yeah. There's a remix with Drake as well. And that one's good too. Oh, damn. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drake's, Drake's tapping in. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, uh, I never really got past, um, the offspring in terms of like, 
those that going into like down the Blink One Eight Two sort of uh, My Chemical Romance style of music. But I really appreciate that that music is there because for a lot yeah. of people that was like their high school thing, and it was so awesome. And then yeah, yeah I mean like there's so much music out there that is that is like that and that is so, so good. And those musicians are so technically proficient as well. So that's really awesome. And sometimes you just really need some, some angst in your life, you know? Yeah, you totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so to wrap this whole podcast up, because uh, it's been so awesome talking to you, Kelly, um, do you have any tips? Well, okay, so you would probably have heaps of tips. What are your best tips on um, trying to move towards your goal or trying to accomplish your goals. Uh, do you have anything that, that worked really well for you that might work really well for other people as well? Yeah, I think that's something that something that really helps with achieving goals is setting reasonable, realistic goals. So, you know, someone might say, my goal is to lose weight. Okay, well, how are you going to do that? You know, your goal shouldn't be, that's a very long-term goal, but you need something that's more tangible. So you need to set goals that are realistic. So instead of saying, I want to lose weight, maybe, you know, for me, for example, it was, I'm going to do keto for 30 days. Um, So when you set a goal, it's important to have small steps for how you're going to get there rather than it being this big overwhelming thing that you just, you're almost setting yourself up for failure because it just seems so insurmountable. Um, so yeah, my biggest tip is definitely set small realistic goals so that you can gain momentum. Cause every time you, you, you know, you're successful in one of those, you feel good and it just makes you want to keep going. So I think that's probably my top tip. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, I know for me, when I set goals, um, I like to have a little bit of loss aversion in the equation. Um, so what I did, what I usually do is I give $50 to someone who I can trust with it and say, if I don't complete this, can you take the $50 and you can have it. But if I do complete it, can you give it back to me? Um, and so uh, I, I don't know, have you ever sort of incorporated something like that into a goal or is that something that's like really against what you're all about the goal for? No, but I think that you should set a really impossible goal and I'll hold on to all of your money for you and never <laughs> give it back. <laughs> I mean, I, but, but in all honesty, I, I think maybe something that I do that could be somewhat compared to that is that I have this calendar that I hang on my wall that has my daily goals on it. And every single day at the end of the day, I put a sticker on for each goal that I've accomplished. Uh, so for example, right now in the, in the month of August, it just passed. My goals were... Uh, don't binge, uh, give yourself a, a genuine compliment every day and self-care. So every day at the end of the day, I would go on and give myself whatever stickers I had accomplished. Very proud to say that I got a no binge sticker every single day in the month of August, which is awesome. Um, so I guess that's something that I do is I, I am a child on the inside and I do well with giving myself a sticker when I, when I do something good. Yeah. And I think uh, it, it, it keeps it, um, in in frame of mind you know it's it's the first thing you see and it's and it's something that that reminds you of it every single day um and yeah uh yeah there's so many good things we could talk about this for ages but it has been such a great podcast i'm so excited that you took the time out and and came and did this and uh, and i'm sure there are so many people out there who would have um, learned a lot from this podcast. So I just really want to thank you, um, for, for coming on and talking about all of these things because, uh, you know, three years ago, maybe you may not have been able to have this experience, but, but here you are now. And I just wanted to, to, to really say thank you and, and, and what a wonderful job you've done so far. 
Thank you. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to come here and chat with you. And I'm, I'm looking at the time. I can't believe it's been an hour. It feels like five minutes. Um, I'm a- <laughs> but, but yeah, Kelly, three years ago, never would have imagined that I would be where I am today. So just one last thing that I'm going to throw in to anyone listening. Just start. You know, there's so many reasons that you, you probably give yourself as to why you can't do it, why you can't accomplish your goals. But I'm living proof that you can accomplish almost anything you set your mind to. Just start. Stop giving yourself reasons why you can't do it and give yourself reasons why you can. And as cheesy as it is, I believe in you and you just need to believe in yourself. And I, I promise you, you can get to where you want to be. And, and, just touching on that, where can people find you uh, and where can people get in contact with you? Yeah. So I'm the most active on my Instagram, which is at Kelly underscore keto. And Kelly is spelled with an IE uh, because I'm a special snowflake and, and my parents wanted to make it really difficult for me <laughs> to buy anything personalized growing up. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel where I, I try to share informative videos about keto. Uh, so that's just my, my name, Kelly Foster. Um, and those are my the, the best two ways to, to connect with me. Awesome. And they will all be linked in the show notes to this episode, along with all the books and things that have been mentioned. So again, thank you so much. Um, and I'm sure we'll be speaking with you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.